I read something this week that really impacted me. And this is what it said. And I'm quoting. Too often, preachers assume the task is to make the mysterious clear. Assume that they have to make everything clear. Well, it is my hope today, this has resonated, this saying has resonated in my heart all week, and it's my hope today that as we talk about the transfiguration of Jesus, that you will be drawn into the mystery of it. We can discuss elements of it, but that it is just so powerful that you and I both will be drawn into it in a deep and powerful way. So, um, let's begin. As you know, it's the last Sunday of Epiphany, and so next week we begin Lent, and at, I'll tell you a little more about this at um, the natural time, because the service will change slightly as we begin Lent. So the season of Epiphany is designed to be a season of revelation, of light, of exposing who Jesus was and is to the world. And so we read over and over and over again in the Gospels about the things he did, the words he spoke, the reactions that people had to him, and all of those things that teach us more and more about him. And now, as that season comes to an end, we're going to move into a different kind of discipline. But the revelation of Jesus and who he is will continue throughout that time. Okay, the transfiguration. All the revelation that we've heard so far, the teaching, the healings, the preaching, all of that, are going to culminate today in the transfiguration. But it's interesting to me that this gospel passage omits what I think are three critical words. And those three words, if you pull out your Bible, leading into what we read today, will say six days later. Six days later. Why is that important? What happened in the previous six days? Why is this important as we move into this mountaintop experience? Well, if you read back to the Gospel of Mark, you will find out that Jesus turns to his disciples and he said, Who do people think I am? And what are the responses? Well, some say John the Baptist is interesting because John is, has been imprisoned and is probably dead at this time. Others say Elijah, the great prophet. And so Jesus says, hmm, okay. Well, but who do you say that I am? And Peter, always ready with an answer, says, you are the Messiah. He has the right answer. And then Jesus, in that passage, says, Well, yes, you're right, but now I have to tell you that I am going to die. And Peter says, No, 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 no. Not what the science do. Not, 
not not the definition of a Messiah. And Jesus has to say, get behind me, Satan. And this has happened six days before they go up the mountain. Now, Peter was right. He said he was the Messiah. He was wrong in what the Messiah was going to do. So they go up the mountain. Peter, James, and John are with Jesus. And they go up the mountain. And they see this amazing, powerful scene. Jesus is transfigured in front of them. Now, the actual word for transfigured in Greek is metamorphosis. So it's like the butterfly that emerges from the cocoon. It's totally different. So he's Jesus, but he's transformed into almost what I would call his full identity so that the, so that the disciples can see him. He is radiant, the scripture tells us. He is radiant. His clothes are so white that nothing could have bleached them that way. Now, remember that he lived before Paved Street. It was dusty and dirty in the town. That's why they washed their feet when they came into houses and their clothes were always covered with dust. But Jesus, at this moment, is in white that is so sparkling that it just holds their attention. Nothing like this have they ever seen. And then, he's standing there with Moses and Elijah. Moses, the giver of the law, and Elijah, the great prophet. And what are they doing? They're holding a conversation. Now, the disciples don't hear this, but they see them engaged in the conversation. And we can only imagine what they are saying. Jesus is saying to Moses, well, well things have really changed <laughs> since you came down from that mountaintop. And so they're engaged in this conversation. And Jesus is glowing. He's dynamic. And I want you to close your eyes and think about being in that moment. You are on this mountain. And you see Jesus. You see Jesus in the way that you've never seen him before. He is radiant. He is being glorified. He is sparkling white. And he's in your midst. And I can only ask you, are you stunned, speechless? I mean, really, these disciples are just, wow, until Peter decides that maybe he should build three houses for them. And they can stay there forever. Well, you know, if you've ever been anywhere where you had a really powerful encounter with God, the mountaintop, you get it for Peter. I mean, this is where we want to stay, on this mountaintop. And then the voice booms out, and God says, This is my beloved son. Listen 
chin hair. Just an amazing scene that happens before we plunge into the land. And they go down the mountain, and Jesus says to the three that are with him, Peter and James and John, he says, don't tell anybody about this. I don't want anybody to know about this until when? After the resurrection. I mean, can you imagine if word had spread about this experience and the authorities and all the things? You know, Jesus wants everything to unfold in the right time, and he wants them to have this experience of seeing him glorified like that so that they will be able to hold on and teach out of that experience when the time comes. So, what does that mean for our lives today? Jesus is transfigured on a mountain. We've heard this how many times since we've been going to church? I mean, at least once a year. So, I uh, came across a, a reading that I had I've read many times before, but I've inserted it in today. In answer to the question, what does this really mean for our lives today? And I would suggest to you, it means we make a choice. Either Jesus is who he says he is, and that's why we're here celebrating today, or as much of the world says, he isn't. So this is a quote from C.S. Lewis. It's in his book, Mere Christianity. Has anybody read that book? Yeah, it's a great book. I am trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people say about him, him being Jesus. I'm ready to accept him as a great... People are saying, I'm ready to accept him as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. And that is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level of a man who says he is a poached egg, or else he would be a devil from hell. You must make the choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman, or something worse. You can shut him up as a fool, or you can spit at him, and you can kill him as a demon. Or, you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. I think it's a very powerful passage. And it truly speaks to what many of the people in the generation say today. Oh, yeah, well, you know, he's a good teacher. He was a this, he was that. And C.S. Lewis says, no, he can't be. He's either God or he wasn't. You either bow down and worship him, but you can't compromise him. So I'm going to work on the basis that we all here believe that he really is the Lord and Savior of us all. And so if that is true, and he saves us. If he loves us, if he's willing to die for us, then you and I have to recognize the absolute and total 
grace of God. The grace of God. What do you see when you look in the mirror of your life? Are there things you regret doing? Are you things that are shameful? Do you feel shame? Do you ever feel you're not enough? Then we need to hear the words that the disciples heard that day. This is my son. Listen to him. It is a word that brings transformation to our lives. It changes us. It takes away our sin and absolves us and calls us into newness of life every day. It's a word that truly brings us into God's grace. Now, did we earn it? No. It would be nice if we could earn it, because then I could feel like maybe I could get a little more grace than you get, or you could get a little more grace than me if you were especially good on a certain day, but we can't earn it. It's a free gift. It's given to us. But we need to receive it. Jesus doesn't ask us to live perfect lives. He asks us to live in grace and let that grace transform us. Now, I grew up with a father who was an absolute, total, 100% perfectionist. And unfortunately, he got made for a child. And I was the only child. So you can imagine that I was expected to be perfect. And I wasn't. In many, many ways. <laughs> the perfect child. And because of that, in great part, it took me a long time to experience the power of God's grace. Because once you've been told that you've got to do it perfectly in order to be okay, it's a long step to realize you're okay whether you do it perfectly or not. That it's all about God's grace. And so one day I found a sign. It's a, one of those plaques, you know. And I bought it immediately. And I put it in my laundry room because Unfortunately, I'm in there every day. And the sign says, live in grace, not perfection. Live in grace, not perfection. And I think that that is what God would want us to hear today. We've seen Jesus transfigured. We've experienced him in our lives. But we need to open ourselves every day more and more to his grace so that we become ourselves more and more transformed into his likeness. We're not going to do it perfectly. But it's so much fun to do it at all, to see yourself change. Many, or a number of months ago, I was reading about, and it's been a huge challenge to me. And it was some time after Christmas when we were reading about incarnation and things, uh, the incarnation. 
And what it said was a challenge to see the face of Christ in every, or the image of Christ in every person you meet. You know, it's just a whole lot more difficult to be crabby if you're looking at them and seeing the image of God in them. And isn't that what scripture says? We are made in the image of God. Jesus is transformed on the mountain. His disciples are forever changed. Life begins anew every day and each and every day. We are called to let go of perfection and live in grace.